Hello and welcome to episode 539 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. It is my pleasure to be with you this morning. My name is Terrence M. Stanton. We're recording on Tuesday, May 23rd, 2023, in the year of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let us begin with the Tuesday prayer to the Blessed Virgin Mary to obtain a good death. O Mary, how shall I die? Even now that I think of my sins and of that decisive moment on which my salvation or eternal damnation depends, of that moment in which I must expire and be judged, I tremble and am confounded. O my most sweet mother, my hopes are in the blood of Jesus Christ and in thy intercession. O comfortress of the afflicted, do not then abandon me. Cease not to console me in that moment of so great affliction. If I am now so tormented by remorse for sins committed, the uncertainty of pardon, the danger of relapse, and the rigor of divine justice, what will become of me then? Unless thou helpest me, I shall be lost. Ah, my lady, before death, obtain me great sorrow for my sins, thorough amendment, and fidelity to God during the remainder of my life. And when my last moment arrives, O Mary, my hope, help me in the great distress in which I shall then be. Encourage me that I may not despair at the sight of my sins, which the devil will place before me. Obtain that I may then invoke thee more frequently, so that I may expire with thy most sweet name, and that of thy beloved son on my lips. Nay more, my lady, but forgive my boldness. Before I expire, do thou come thyself and comfort me with thy presence. Thou hast granted this favor to so many of thy devout servants. I also desire and hope it. I am a sinner, it is true. I do not deserve so great a favor, but I am thy servant, love thee, and have full confidence in thee. O Mary, I shall expect thee. Do not disappoint me of this consolation. At least if I am not worthy of so great a favor, do thou help me from heaven that I may leave this life loving God in thee to love thee eternally in paradise. May all the words that I speak be so many arrows dipped in the blood of thy sacred heart, O Jesus, to pierce the hearts of all who hear them with love for thee. Amen. The holy face of Jesus of the Vale of Veronica. Dear Lord, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer these prayers in reparation for the sins which most offend God in our times, blasphemy, the profanation of Sunday and holy days, and communism. Pater noster, quies in celis, sanctificator nomen tuam, adveniat regnum tuam, fiat voluntas tua, secret in celo et in terra, panam nostrum quotidianum de nobis hodie, et dimite nobis debita nostra, secret et nos dimitibus debitoribus nostris, et nenos inducas in tentationem, sed libra nos amalo. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tu mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et honor mortis nostrae. Amen. Gloria Patri, et Filio, et Spiritui Sancto, sicut erat in principio, et nunc et semper, et in saecula saeculorum. Amen. The Golden Arrow Prayer. May the most holy, most sacred, most adorable, most mysterious and unutterable name of God be praised, blessed, loved, adored, and glorified in heaven, on earth, and in the hells. By all God's creatures, and by the sacred heart of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and the most holy sacrament of the altar, amen. For the defeat of communists, Freemasons, and all revolutionary men. Eternal Father, I offer thee the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ and all the instruments of his holy passion, that thou mayest put division in the camp of thy enemies. For as thy beloved Son hath said, a kingdom divided against itself shall fall. Eternal Father, we offer thee the holy face of Jesus, covered with blood, sweat, dust, and spittle, 
in reparation for the crimes of communists, blasphemers, and for the profaners of the holy name and of the holy day of Sunday. Amen. Most sweet Jesus, redeemer of the human race, turn thine eyes of mercy toward the children of that race, once thy chosen people. Of old they called down upon themselves the blood of the Savior. May it now descend upon them a laver of redemption and of life. Amen. Today, friends, continuing to honor Our Lady in the month of May, this month specially dedicated to her, I wanted to share with you uh, an entry from a catholiclife.blogspot.com, Mr. Matthew Pleasy's website. This is from Tuesday, October 18th, 2005, and it is entitled The Immaculate Conception. Mr. Pleasy begins by saying, as we look at the Hail Mary, we see part of the Archangel Gabriel's address in the exclamation, full of grace. Grace is defined as a supernatural gift from God's infinite goodness, given by God to his sinful people for their eternal salvation. Mary is addressed as full of grace, which shows that she must be in complete favor of God to have earned the fullness of God's grace. This particular instance is a special one in which God chose Mary to be conceived sinless to make her a house for God to dwell within. Both Jesus and Mary are perfect, although for different reasons. Jesus is God and therefore is without sin and therefore must be perfect. This is shown through magisterial teachings, scripture, and definition. Sin, which is defined as distancing oneself from God, cannot have any part in God because it is impossible for God to be distancing himself from himself. Mary, though, is perfect, but she was made perfect and preserved from sin by her son, who is eternal, and preserved her before he became flesh. In fact, the traditional collect prayer from the Mass of the Immaculate Conception well summarizes this. O God, by foreseen merits of the death of Christ, you shielded Mary from all stain of sin and preserved the Virgin Mother Immaculate at her conception so that she might be a fitting dwelling place for your Son. Cleanse us from sin through her intercession so that we may also come to you untainted by sin through our Lord. Some point to the second line of the Magnificat with Mary proclaiming, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, stating the use of Savior, means Mary could not be free from sin. The answer, of course, is that Christ did save Mary. He simply chose to save her prior to her birth. The difference in methodology in no way detracts from the outcome of the act. The dogma of the Immaculate Conception, which was not infallibly defined until 1854, but believed long beforehand, states, The Most Holy Virgin Mary was, in the first moment of her conception, by a unique gift of grace and privilege of Almighty God, in view of the merits of Jesus Christ, the Redeemer of mankind, preserved free from all stain of original sin. While they did not use the phrase Immaculate Conception, the early Church honored the Blessed Virgin Mary as sinless since her conception. For instance, St. Ephraim, who lived between 306 and 373 AD, wrote alluding to Mary's sinlessness, You and your mother are the only ones who are totally beautiful in every way. For in you, O Lord, there is no stain, and in your mother, no stain. Hippolytus wrote in 235 AD, He was the ark formed of incorruptible wood. For by this is signified that his tabernacle was exempt from putridity and corruption. And Origen wrote in 244, This virgin mother of the only begotten of God is called Mary, worthy of God. Immaculate of the Immaculate, one of the one. 
and there are many other such instances. The dogmatic prop proclamation in 1854 by Pope Pius IX merely ended a debate that had arisen in the past centuries, fueled often by Protestants. Once again, it makes perfect sense that the mother of God does not have sin upon her soul because Christ himself must dwell within her. In truth, Mary is essentially important to the Christian life as the mother of Christ and as our mother, who Christ gave to us through his disciple, John. See John 19, verses 26 and 27. We as Christians believe God is the perfect goodness, and likewise, we believe sin is the absence of goodness, where God is the perfect goodness. Therefore, I can conclude that sin is evil and a lack of God's saving grace, even if only momentary, but a clear distance from God remains because we are not perfect like he. It is through our first sin that we lose our innocence and must work towards salvation as all people must do, apart from those exceptions, including the Blessed Virgin Mary, whose radiant light kept pulsing harmoniously from her soul through the grace of God most high. Scripture attests to the Immaculate Conception as well, though I feel it initially fundamental to dispute a common claim among other faiths that Catholics are in opposition to Scripture on this matter. They state Romans 3.23, which reads, For all have sinned and do need the glory of God. However, this verse only shows that all are subject to the stains of original sin on the soul. Remember that Christ chose to save his mother from this sin in order to come into the world. But I also see it as a deep reverence for his mother in accordance with the fourth commandment, honor thy mother and father. It is quite clear that Christ showed great love for his mother already, and he showed even more through the coronation and assumption, which I will address at length further into this book. Moreover, Romans 3.23 uses the English word all in place of the Greek word pas, which was not the absolute that all encompasses today. I think this further highlights how even the best of translations are nothing compared to the original scriptures. This word taking the English term all is also seen in Matthew 3, 5, and 6, and Luke 2, 1, to name a few others, where it is not the absolute that we see it meaning. For example, Matthew 3, 5, and 6 states, At that time, Jerusalem, all Judea, and the whole region around the Jordan were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the Jordan River as they acknowledged their sins. I certainly do not believe that the entire region went to the Jordan River, including those that did not believe in the faith. I view it much more probable that a great majority went out. Not everyone. It is clear that the word pas meant a just about everyone there is, but maybe not literally everyone better than it did all. Furthermore, I feel it essential to state that Martin Luther, the man that began the Lutheran church and broke away from the original Catholic church, still held a great devotion to Mary, including a belief in the Immaculate Conception. It is a sweet and pious belief that the infusion of Mary's soul was infected without original sin, so that in the very infusion of her soul, she was also purified from original sin and adorned with God's gifts, receiving a pure soul infused by God. Thus, from the first moment she began to live, she was free from all sin. Further knowledge of the Christian faith continues to disprove the use of Romans 3.23 to be used against the Immaculate Conception. We as Christians believe Christ was free from sin, but the verse does not even say all but Christ. 
we also believe that the mentally disabled and infants cannot commit actual sin, even though the verse does not specifically state this fact. Simply, Romans 3.23 must be translated using correct Greek, and there would be no remote opportunity to oppose magisterial teachings in that instance. I, though, do not see the point in tearing down the teachings of the Catholic Church concerning Mary, as it is through Mary that we have a powerful intercessor and loving mother that spares nothing from her children. Onward, Scripture does form the word Form the, does not form the words immaculate conception. Sacred scripture nevertheless holds vast information on Mary. But we must not just read the words, but meditate on each and every statement as a truth given to us by God. The Bible begins with the book of Genesis, an account of creation and the fall, and this is the first place that Mary is referenced. In Genesis 3.15, it states, I will put enmities between thee and the woman, and thy seed and her seed, she shall crush thy head, and thou shalt lie in wait for her heel. This verse is the first verse that references to mankind's Redeemer since Jesus Christ came to destroy sin, Satan, and death. 1 John 3.8 further says, The Son of God appeared that he might destroy the works of the devil, who came into being through a love for men that far excesses our senses, where one would come to die for all of us while still enemies. This enmity in Genesis 3.15 is not between the man and the serpent, but the woman and the serpent. Church teachings are that this is in reference to Mary, the one to come and destroy the serpent because of allowing our Lord to take flesh within her. Also, it is critical to reverberate the magisterial teachings of Christ being the second Adam. We all know that through Adam and Eve, sin entered the world, and it was through Christ, one man, that sin left the world by his death on the cross. Yet just as Eve assisted Adam in losing the faith by offering him the apple, Mary offered Christ her body to come and become man and assisted in bringing our Lord to us. Out of all people, Christ chose Mary as his mother and has given her to us as well. How breathtaking. Christ is called the second Adam since creation was renewed through him. And Mary is the new Eve who works alongside our Lord. We also know that the only one that can bear the sins of the entire world is God because he is both human and divine and any action of his, whether in his divine or his human nature, is of infinite value. This is how dying one death ended all of our eternal deaths. We could pay the price for sin, but that would be eternal death. Instead, Christ chose to free us from the punishment that we deserve out of a love so fervent that he would humble himself to death, even death on a cross. Back to the verse in Genesis, we see reference to Christ by God's statement that refers to the woman's offspring. Some, some translations of the Bible use the word seed instead, but the main motive is still intact. This claim that through the women would be offspring, namely our Savior, is quite revolutionary. We already know that God knew of the need for a savior in the beginning. So in this verse, he speaks of Adam and Eve's offspring, which would include Christ. This conversation to the women that she would bear offspring rather than to the man shows that through a woman, our savior, who the entire world resides inside would be born. While scripture does refer to her offspring, it also alludes to Christ, who has freed the entire human race through his sacrifice on the cross where we would become part of him 
and dying so that we may also see the resurrection. The entire human race was relying on Christ's sacrifice, which is alluded to in the book of Genesis, although not directly because the people of the Old Testament would not have understood. Continuing with the verse in Genesis, a special relationship is seen between the woman and the serpent, and this relationship is one with enmity. Enmity is certainly an intense, powerful word beyond hatred and defined as deep-rooted hatred. We see by looking back to Genesis 3.15 that God himself will place his enmity between the serpent, meaning Satan, and Mary, who is the second Eve. It is clear that Mary is to be the personal enemy of Satan, not Christ. Christ came to destroy the devil's evil works, but God chose to make Mary as Satan's personal enemy. From the beginning, God had a plan for everyone, with all of us able to reach heaven if we choose, and our Lord chose to save Mary from sin. This also put the enmity between Mary and Satan because Mary had no sin and was perfect and clearly saw the wrongdoings of the devil. She hated them because she was completely in God's favor. We as sinners can fall into sin, but Mary was preserved from original sin and remained sinless in life, which made her Satan's personal enemy. As the Catechism of the Catholic Church explicitly reveals, throughout the Old Covenant, the mission of many holy women prepared for that of Mary. At the very beginning, there was Eve. Despite her disobedience, she receives the promise of a prosperity excuse me, posterity that will be victorious over the evil one, as well as the promise that she will be the mother of all the living. By virtue of this promise, Sarah conceives a son in spite of her old age. Against all human expectation, God chooses those who are considered powerless and weak to show forth his faithfulness to his promises. Hannah, the mother of Samuel, Deborah, Ruth, Judith and Esther, and many other women Mary stands out among the poor and humble of the Lord, who confidently hope for and receive salvation from him. After a long period of waiting, the times are fulfilled in her, the exalted daughter of Sion, and the new plan of salvation is established. Mary had a special purpose, and this purpose was to become the mother of God and help us achieve our salvation. She cannot save us, but her constant motherly presence pleads continually for our souls. God is in possession of eternity, the simultaneous and complete possession of infinite life. For him, all things are as in the present. So ends the article. An excellent one. It was from a book entitled The Nagging Argument, How Can Mary Be Immaculate When All Have Sinned? Um, so I believe, although the reference isn't given here, it's talking about Mark Shea, uh, writing that book. Maybe it was just a quote from Mark Shea. I believe the actual, uh, article, however, was by Mr. Pleasy because no, no reference is given to another article. Um, but thanks be to God for our lady. Thanks be to God for her magnificence, for her immaculate purity and for her as it was stated in the article being the personal enemy of satan the devil is humiliated and crushed by our lady this humble maiden who became the second person of the most holy trinity who is totally and utterly consumed by god 
totally and utterly in love with the Lord. She is always leading us to our Lord Jesus Christ. She is always leading us to her son. And our son is always showing us how grateful we need to be to Our Lady. They are humility itself. Our Lady and our Lord are never outdone in humility, in kindness, in gentleness, in love. So let us go to our Lord through Our Lady. It's what he wants. It's the way God has set things up. Let us conclude, my friends, by mentioning Helping Autism through Learning and Outreach, available on the web at halo-soma.org. That's halo-soma.org. And also episode 277 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast, in which I discuss RPM with my wonderful sister and my wonderful niece, RPM is an acronym for Rapid Prompting Method, a system of communication for non-speakers. Just as sign language was a revolutionary breakthrough for the deaf in terms of being able to communicate, Rapid Prompting Method has done the same for non-speakers. You can imagine how frustrated you would be if you wanted to get words out, if you wanted to get ideas out, and you were trapped in your own mind, trapped in your own body, unable to communicate. That is the plight for so many in our world, and RPM breaks down that wall, breaks through to communication. Communication is a human right. We need to get the word out there far and wide. Once again, halo-soma.org and episode 277 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. Let's pray now for help and healing for our non-speaking friends and family members. Almighty and eternal God, healer of those who trust in you, through the intercession of St. Raphael Archangel, hear my prayer for non-speakers and their families. In your tender mercy, restore them to spiritual and bodily health, that they may give you thanks, praise your name, and proclaim your wondrous love to all. I ask this through Christ your Son, our Lord. Amen. And now to honor St. Joseph with the act of consecration to St. Joseph by St. Bernardine of Siena. O my beloved St. Joseph, adopt me as thy child. Take charge of my salvation. Watch over me day and night. Preserve me from the occasions of sin. Obtain for me purity of body. Through thy intercession with Jesus, grant me a spirit of sacrifice, humility, self-denial, burning love for Jesus in the blessed sacrament, and a sweet and tender love for Mary, my mother. St. Joseph, be with me living. Be with me dying. And obtain for me a favorable judgment from Jesus, my merciful Savior. Amen. The three Hail Marys in honor of the Immaculate Purity of Our Lady of Fatima. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tu mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus, Sancta Maria Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in mortis nostri, Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tu mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus, Sancta Maria Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in mortis nostri. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tuum mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in mortis nostri. Amen. And a Gloria Patri for a special intention. Gloria Patri et Filio et Spiritui Sancto, sicut erat in principio et nunc et semper et in secula seculorum. Amen. Sweetheart of Mary, be the salvation of Russia, Spain, 
Portugal, Europe, the United States of America, Canada, and the whole world. Virgo potens, or our pronobis. Sancti Osef, Teradaimonem, or our pronobis. Sancta Raphael Archangeli, or our pronobis. In nomina Patris, et Fili, Spiritus Sancti, Amen. Thank you very kindly, my friends, for listening to episode 539 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. In your charity, please share Our Lady's podcast with everyone you know. Follow us on Twitter. The handle is at Fatima Podcast. If you believe Our Lady's podcast is worthy of it, give us a five-star rating and review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to this. But most importantly, offer up prayers and sacrifices for our Catholic bishops. Goodbye and God love you.